True Defence, we're back for another Premier League season. Um, I'm your host, Del, as usual. Rodri Giggs is here, Steve Ayer is here, and Wayne is back on Shoot the Defence. Welcome back, Wayne. It's been a while, mate. I know it has been. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No, thanks for coming on. You've got your own YouTube channel and everything now. What's it like in Wayne's world, as they call it? <sighs> it's all right. It's all right. The whole content creation thing has got off to a little bit of a tricky start because I'm an Arsenal fan, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, yeah, there's a lot to talk about, which isn't so positive all the time with Arsenal, unfortunately. Rod, how you doing? Yeah, man, I'm good. Good weekend. Good result. Just good. good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, still, it's, still, it's getting to that point now where you're getting to the six weeks holidays where the kids are like... Go you know. back to fucking school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Bad enough here. <laughs> Steve, you right, mate? Evening still all right, mate? Yeah, good. 100, and, 100 points this weekend on your FPL, right? Yeah, done all right, Stel. Just lucky, mate. Just lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I was on 88 points, and there's a guy here who's 10th in our league at the moment. Who is it, uh, Steve? I don't know who it is. Mind the gap. Yeah, but... <laughs> he just lit one oh, rip as well. Did you hear that, then? Did you hear that? <laughs> That's what I thought of that. <laughs> what, uh... You better check your boxes after that, mate. That sounded like a wet one. <laughs> Uh, what about the, the the auction one? Oh, I don't know. I haven't checked that one. Yeah, yeah. I haven't checked that one. It should be a different story on that one. It's an unknown. You got Bruno oh, Fernandez. So. Horses for courses. <laughs> like, like Roy Keane said, they don't give the league out in August. Yeah, true. true. All right. All right. Fair enough. All right. Well, <laughs> let let's start then with the league champions. Okay, with this review and Steve, I wanted to come to you first because you're very vocal after the, uh, in fact, during the City game on, on our WhatsApp group about Jack Grealish and uh, his presence at City. But before we talk about Grealish's performance, City lost 1-0 to Spurs. I wouldn't say Spurs didn't deserve the victory because they looked quite dangerous on the counter-attack. That being said, you guys were very, very wasteful in front of goal. Well, yeah. Well, if you've only got uh, wingers up there doing the job of a centre-forward, then, then wasteful is exactly what they're going to be until they get a... Out and out centre forward, uh, which you've been blessed with Aguero. Obviously, it's pretty much looking like it's going to be Kane. Then the football team will be far less wasteful. But, you know, again, Rodri talked about it a lot. He's done the job at, at various levels. You know, wingers largely are quick, up and down, can cross, can score across the keeper, get in at the far post, and they can finish. But they're not actually, you know, they're not predators. They are wingers for a reason. And obviously Manchester City have won the league at a canter without a centre-forward, it feels, although Aguero had his cameo. But anybody who plays centre-forward for Manchester City now is either a midfield player or a wide player. So I'm not forgiving them for being wasteful still, but I'm suggesting that's the reason. So Tell me something. Was uh, leaving Gabriel Jesus on the bench intentional then? Is this Guardiola's way of telling the owners, get in Harry Kane as soon as you possibly can? Because if we continue playing without a, a central striker. I'm just going to keep doing this. Well, it's stubborn and it crossed my mind during the game, Stel. Um, and you can't put anything, uh, you know, off the, this, this, this manager, this head coach, you can't rule anything out that he might do, but it's come at a, a, a real, you know, cost because some might say it's only three points. It's only the first game, but you lose momentum. Um, everybody else can gain on you. 
United have got off to a flyer. Um, and your training week is different for a start, going into the next game, the next project, the next challenge. And um, if that was the case, um, I'm, not, I'm not impressed at all because the football fixture still comes first. And uh, obviously it's all hindsight based, but uh, Jesus should have played um, instead of Fernand Torres, who obviously played well at St. James's Park last year with a hat-trick. But uh, Jesus is a proper centre-forward with a serious goal record for Manchester City for games ratio for goals. Wayne, before we discuss Jack Grealish, I need to ask you something. Um, the whole Harry Kane situation between mm. Spurs and City, do you think it galvanised Tottenham, gave, gave them a kind of like a, a siege mentality going into this game? Because Spurs were, were, they were animals yesterday, weren't they? Yeah, I think that that is a part of it, alongside the fact that obviously massive home crowd that got behind them from minute one. Uh, obviously, being an Arsenal fan, I can't really say too much positive about Spurs, but they were brilliant throughout. And I don't know if you guys caught at the end the chant, are you watching Harry Kane? I thought that that was, that was brilliant. And I just think alongside the fact that they've got a new manager, they wanted to impress him as well. Everything just sort of went in their favour. And I thought that the tactics that Nuno set up with to just catch Man City on the counter, sort of everything played into Spurs' hands to get the good result yesterday. And Rod, um, talking about Spurs, Son, goal scorer, he's the guy that signed a new contract. He's the one that's staying at Spurs. New manager, new manager bounce, as they call it. Tanganga was the man of the match. Absolutely phenomenal performance. But which Spurs player surprised you most? Because I think Eric Dyer had a very, very good game. And he's a player who we've been quite critical of the past couple of seasons and as have the Spurs fans. Yeah, it was, you know, I really can't, can't really point out one player. They all really, like Wayne said, they all really, really played well. And, you know, yes, City missed chances, but yeah, the crowd definitely, definitely helped. But to answer your question, um, um, Probably Son, you know, even though it doesn't matter what manager comes in, he's just still going to perform. He's still going to give you 100%. It's just a dream player to have in, in, in the squad. You can play him up front, you can play him on the right, you can play him on the left, and you're still going to get eight, nine every week. I saw a Bergwijn miss a great chance. Lucas Moura had a decent game. But there's a couple of new signings, I suppose, in Romero and uh, Hill. I think Hill is going to be a very, very good player for him, but... Spurs fans can't expect too much too soon from these players because obviously they've just signed. It's going to take them time to bed in. Wayne, I'm sure you know about the two players that they've brought in. Do you think they will make the grade at Spurs? I think Romero has a very good chance. He really did well, particularly in like big European games um, from his previous team. So I think that he has everything that sort of it takes to come into the Premier League, get acclimatised pretty quickly. I know that they mentioned on comms yesterday, he picked up a little bit of an injury uh, with Argentina. So hopefully he can get over that pretty quick. I think that the finances are part of that deal. They mentioned as well, it's a loan before sort of a £40 million fee. I think that that will be a really good deal. I think the big thing for Spurs though, is as we mentioned, Harry Kane might leave for Man City. We've seen in the past they do sell well, someone like Gareth Bell, but then they spend that money quite poorly. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do with that big amount of money that comes in. We've got a new sporting director who seems to know what he's talking about, or seems to know what he's doing. We saw him on the touchline going absolutely crazy. Uh, very passionate guy, kind of got a bit of Antonio Conte in him. But to be fair, 
you know, as I said, Spurs missed their fair share of opportunities. I don't know whether, you know, the rivalry or the, the to and fro with Harry Kane and C, et cetera, played the, a massive part because my main concern going forward for Spurs is that if Harry Kane does go, where are the main goals going to come from? Do they have a 30-goal player? I don't think they do. But then again, Deli Alli's back in the team. Bergwijn can get goals. Mura can get goals. The, the new players might be able to chip in. So, yeah, it, it could actually be a blessing in disguise for Spurs. This, is why, this is why this deal's got to get done really quickly. It won't happen mm. because Tottenham have to bring someone in. They'll have to. That simple. They're losing 30 goals a season. No, absolutely. I mean, the, the, so the answer isn't Vinicius that yes, they brought in last yes, the season. Signings are, they brought in from Bale were poor. But if you say they're not learned from the mistakes and they've got better recruitment and, 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 and they might get lucky this time, but they're going to have to bring someone in because they're losing 30 goals. That's a fact. Mm. So, you know, if they, if they don't bring someone in, then he's not going. Do you think um, Deli Ali, uh, given another opportunity, is going to help him? Because obviously he was out in the cold under Mourinho, even before that with Pochettino. Yes, before you know Mourinho coming, he, he was he was playing brilliant. But then you know the, the endorsements come or, or the off field come, and you know his performance slip. So you know he's just got to get back to basics. Look, he looks like he. he He's in good shape. He started well yesterday. So he's a class please. He's a top player if he, if he gets his head on it. We've seen it before. He was, you know, one of the best players for England four years ago. So, and he's still, what, 25, 26? So, yeah, there's a lot more to come from Deli Ali. But if they don't get rid of, if Harry Kane goes, uh, it's going to have to be the next few days. Or, you know, well, what's the point? You know, why if they've got the money... They've obviously got the money. Why didn't they put just get him straight away and, and just leave Grealish? It's like a footballer uh, of the range of, you know what, I might get Bentley. That's City's mentality. They didn't really need Grealish. It's just a luxury player. He's just a, yeah, it, they need Harry Kane. They need a centre forward. They proved that yesterday by, you know, struggling not to score goals. Fair enough. Well, look, before we go back to City, we'll just ask one more question, uh, Wayne. Uh, Son, Big player for Spurs. Fantastic yeah. goal. Um, but are we going to see more counter-attacking football from Spurs? Because we saw that under Nuno. We didn't see really this expansive style uh, when he was Wolves manager. It was mostly 5-3-2 or 5-4-1. Um, they played 4-3-3 yesterday. Do you think we're going to see more of that this season? Or is he going to revert back to the 5-3-2 the now that he's got an extra central defender that can play alongside Davison Sanchez and, and Eric Dyer because obviously Vertonghen went last season, the beginning of last season, and then Alvaro was gone. Yeah, I think to me it was a big surprise that he actually went for the back four against City yesterday because, as you said, he's known from his time at Wolves as like a back five manager. I thought he was going to set up, and he's been quite successful with Wolves against Pep with that sort of formation. Um I don't necessarily think they're going to be counter-attacking throughout the whole course of the season. I don't think they're going to be able to, but I definitely think that the setup that they had yesterday against City will be their go-to setup for big games, particularly away from home. Um, I think it will be a little bit tricky when you're going up against the likes of a Southampton, for example, where you're meant to maybe dominate the ball and some, or something like that against some of the lesser teams in the league. Um, I'm not sure they'll be able to be as successful with sort of a, a counter-attacking setup. 
Steve, let's talk about Jack Reeves then. Um, yeah. Picked up a yellow card in this game. Guardiola said that he was excellent. No. Now, obviously, that's uh, something that he's going to say. Well, he's a £100 million player, isn't he? he he's not going to say that he had a shit performance and that he was just, getting very, very frustrated. Just say that he was okay. There's no, there was nobody excellent in a, in a deserved 1-0 defeat. Just very quickly, Stel, I think probably the question before, it'd be remiss that you, you mentioned who could be a surprise for Spurs. The lad skipping midfield was the surprise on the team sheet and was possibly up there for being man of the match. So I know he had a, a spell at Norwich on loan, but he might be a big plus for them this year because we don't know too much about him. As for Grealish, well, he wasn't excellent. Uh, I can't respect the comment. Um, I wouldn't want to be called... I would not want to be called excellent if I played at that level and lost, not created anything, not scored, not won, not drawn. I wouldn't even want to be called excellent. Um, he doesn't have to say he was excellent. It would be far better if he said he's quite good and there's far more to come from him and the team in the coming weeks. That would have covered it superbly. Sorry about that. I'm muting myself. So when you said he wasn't any good and he was poor, et cetera, et cetera, what is it that you saw that made you believe he didn't have a good game at all. I know he does like to slow the game down a little bit. He, hasn't, he isn't blessed with pace like a Mares or, or a Sterling. It just seemed to me that he was very, very stale on that side and, and quite predictable. Would you agree? Yeah, uh, I'd like to get the compliments in first. First of all, I think he's an amazing footballer. Absolutely brilliant. So I don't ever want to be misquoted here. I don't think he's the wrong, the right fit for Manchester City, my team that I support. But I've also got to say, he's had a Charity Shield appearance and he's had one away appearance. He's not got started yet. He's hopefully going to be here for six years minimum. So we know he's going to have some great times at the club. That's a, that's a fact. But I've been used to watching uh, Leroy Sane run down the wing. I've been used to Phil Foden doing it, Raheem Sterling. Often off a David Silva through ball, uh, then replaced by an Ilkay Gundogan through ball. And now Grealish comes and collects the ball. Quite rightly, he's marked very, very tight. If he gets good possession of the ball, the first thing he does is walk with the ball to try and get the defender to walk as well. You're expecting a change of pace, four or five touches. But in the meantime, while he's walking, the opposition are just getting back, filling their own penalty area. Uh, and we've obviously worked for so, so many seasons now, keeping the penalty area empty till the last moment and then raiding it. Now it's full of the opposition. Uh, and there's a point that's not been made by any pundit, any newspaper, and I'm going to make it to you now. Um, well, one's obvious. So the opposition are getting back to fill the box. That's ponderous. Uh, if he gets any type of flow at all, he gets fouled. So all of a sudden we've got broken play and it's not a great watch. I think eventually Stones will score off a free kick with a header. So will Laporte, so will Diaz, but it's not going to improve the team. But the biggest catastrophe of it all still is because it's all blocked off for Grealish, he then has to pass it back to the worst left-back in the Premier League who has to do something with his left foot from deep to try and get the ball somewhere near the penalty area. So it's bad enough that Mendy is in the team at our club playing, but it's now even worse because he's probably getting 15, 16 more passes a game off Grealish backwards. So Manchester City are going the wrong way with this formula. I think it makes matters worse that Nathan Ake was your left-sided central defender because <sighs> he was tormented and... You know, as a coach yourself, Steve, you know, coached at City, many other clubs. When you see that kind of defending from Nathan Ake, an international defender, yeah, you know, 60-odd million quid, 
I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, this is terrible, mate. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. Still, not just, what, 40, 50, 60 million quid, also a relegated centre-half. And somebody sent me some stats before of the combination of when Ake and Mendy have played together. I don't think they've ever won or hardly won when they've started games together. So how many times do you keep doing that? Hoping to right the wrong. And that was City's biggest problem yesterday for me because I don't believe Tottenham had a game plan for City because how can you prepare for them? Because if you are going to prepare for them, you're expecting City up to the halfway line, the back four goes to a three and they go spread and a fullback pushes into midfield, they overload you and they play in your half. They couldn't believe the look when Aki was playing, 10 yards behind Diaz, sat on his own 18-yard box, and the middle of the pitch was just enormous for Fernandinho, who obviously you know, belies his age often, but looked about 60. Even Gundogan looked about 40, because the pitch was too big for them in there, and Tottenham just ran through them, ran over them, and, and absolutely destroyed them for legs. So I blame Aki for that. And in possession on that left-hand side with Mendy and Grealish, there was no flow. You don't have to look too far to see why they didn't win and they didn't pick a centre-forward. Wayne, are you surprised with uh, Grealish's performance yesterday? You know, Steve made some very, very good points there. Um, I'm still a bit in the air when it comes to his, his signature because I, I don't think he's needed by City, mm. to be honest, in all fairness, given yeah. the personal they have. Like Bernardo Silva's a fantastic player. But then again... You know, if it feels a, a British or an English player quota, then I can understand why they brought him in. Yeah, no, I I wasn't surprised with his level of performance yesterday because obviously I think given the fact that he he's come back from late Euros and, and stuff like that, it's gonna take him a little bit of time to to get to get used to it. I think the one big thing for Greenish that we saw with his time at Aston Villa is he likes to dribble with the ball. He likes to have his head down rather than look up. And the way that I sort of think about Pep teams and, and the way that Man City have played for the last few years is head up, quick passes, quick movement. And I'm not too sure if Greedish has that yet. So it's going to take a lot of time sort of on the training field and with Pep and with the other coaches to sort of instill that in him on a regular basis. I think the one thing for me that I would be sort of concerned with is most of his best performances came from that left wing. And I don't think he's good enough to necessarily replace Raheem Sterling there. And Raheem Sterling is better from the left than he is from the right. So what does it mean for Phil Foden long term? I know Foden can play from the right, but a lot of his best performances has come from that central midfield position that uh, Grealish is probably going to be playing. So there's a lot to juggle with for Pep. Obviously, he's used to having massive teams, but I think Grealish will eventually come good. I'm just not sure, as we've mentioned before, he was the priority over someone like a Harry Kane. Rod, I know you called Grealish a luxury player. Do you want to add your bit before we move on? No, it's exactly what, what I've <laughs> what basically what I've said. They don't, they don't, you know, look at them, just name of names like Silver, Foden, Sterling, Mares. Who else is there? Torres. Ferran Torres as well, yeah. Yeah. Torres, there's five that all can play now Grealish that's six that can play on left midfield and you know Wayne's right probably Sterling is probably the best fitted you know probably Grealish will probably move inside when when he probably doesn't slow the play down as much and Pep's, Pep's probably got into him a bit more but that's the only place where I can see him is in the middle because yeah on the left there's just, they've got much more options and probably better options to the way that City play 
know, Jack Grealish does have a few touches. Maybe they get that out of him, but he does. And that brings the defence, the defence can get back into position. So yeah. That was the plan yesterday, Rod. I mean, he started uh, around the front, around the front centre behind the striker. Within 15 minutes, he was on the left wing and he got no joy in either spot. So I know it's just one game, a tough away game at Spurs, but I think what you've just said is absolutely spot on. That's where they fancy him. But oh, 15 minutes into the first game of the season, you've changed what you've prepared for all week to play Spurs and you've moved him back onto the left wing. So I'm not sure he can do that number 10 job. It's not even a job he used to do for Villa. He used to go from the left and end up in that position. But actually being picked there, how many times has he done that? I think listening, listening to him as well, he's, he's in a bit of a culture shock. He's gone from Villa where he's probably come to Pep and Pep's like the way he has coaching and, and it's a totally, totally different environment. So he's got to adapt to that as well and, and acclimate to, to that surroundings and and see how he goes. Like I say, it's probably not been a normal week. It's been a lot been going on from him just signing. So give him a couple of weeks and you'll probably see the best of him, but... You know, he's got a big price tag, so people expect him to perform. It's like Paul Pogba, he's got to perform every week, £90 million, £100 million. That's the pressure that he says he can deal with, so we'll see. Time will tell. And I think the same goes for uh, Mikel Arteta, Wayne. Arsenal losing their first game of the season, yeah. away to Brentford, who back in the top division after, what, 74 years? Mm. Um, Lacklustre, uh, no cojones. Practically everything that Arsenal fans have been saying about their side for the past year, year and a half, or in fact, probably longer, in all fairness. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to ask you if you were surprised about the result because I think you kind of expected uh, Brentford to, you know, really start on the front foot and, and attack you guys. But how disappointing and frustrating is it to, to start off the season in such a bad way? Well, I think... I think if we weren't Arsenal fans and we didn't expect sort of the summer that we've had to happen, it would be a lot more surprising and a lot more shocking than it actually it actually was against Brentford. I think if you're expecting basically the exact same team plus a centre-back who I think is going to have a good career with us long-term to come in, you finished eighth last year and you're basically riding with that exact same team again, you're just never going to have success. So everything that we saw against Brentford was everything we saw last season in particular. It was just slow. It was all predictable. It was give the ball to Tierney and hope for the best. And there was just no one in the box. It was just, it, I can't even say it was disappointing. It was expected. So <laughs> where did it go wrong in this game itself? Was it the team selection? Because I know Lacazette was unavailable, Bamiang unavailable, Uh where, where did it go wrong, man, honestly? I, I honestly couldn't even answer you. It's lack of preparation through the summer. I honestly thought that given everything that had happened during the course of last season, the way that we went out of the Europa League, the way that we finished eighth, this time, the season before, with Emery leaving and Arteta coming in halfway through, you could say, all right, you can kind of understand why you're finishing eighth. Last year, it was a full tables performance. And we've gone into this summer and we've basically looked unprepared we've not got anyone out of the door culture wise it's just everyone's just basically on holiday at Arsenal you're coming to basically collect a paycheck because at the end of the day you're not going to necessarily get anything better at this stage of your career and no one else really wants you and I don't think our directors are doing the best in terms of 
trying to get that culture out the door. We've rejected bids for Xhaka, which I'm surprised and disappointed with. We've seen rejected offers for people like Bellerin, who is blatantly obvious he needs a fresh start. So I just think everything that we've done this summer has completely left us unprepared for the start of this season. So what's next then? Does it come to a point now where you've got to get rid of this manager after, you know, a, a whole preseason and then the transfer window closing in what, 14, 15 days? You know, people are calling for Arteta's head, but what's the point in getting rid of him right now? You're mm. going to have to bring someone else in and effectively start from scratch. Isn't it not worth giving him until at least January or the end of December to see where you guys are in the table? Because you've got no European football, so that yeah. the league is the only, only thing you have to concentrate on, right? Yeah, uh, well, I don't think they can get rid of him as soon as possible. If you're going to get rid of him, you get rid of him in the summer. You give the new managers sort of the resources to either improve these players if they think they can or to get rid of whoever he wants to get rid of and bring in whoever he wants to bring. The difficult thing for us now is we follow up a loss to Brentford. We've got Chelsea at home and then we follow it up with City and then it's the international break. So we're potentially going into an international break with zero points from three games and probably in a relegation zone. It's You're starting to ask, where is the next result coming from? So while I don't think you can get rid of him now, and obviously I don't think we'll pull the trigger this early, if by the time the second international break has come and gone and things have not drastically improved, you've got to start thinking, all right, he's he's not the guy for us anymore. One final note on Arsenal. Um, we spoke about this before we went live. Aubameyang has been linked with Barcelona. I don't know how Barcelona can afford him, to be honest, or afford his wages given their financial uh, issues. And Coutinho is linked with going the other way. Would it be an absolute... <laughs> well, I can't even think of the word. Catastrophe or a, a, a massive bollock letting Aubameyang go, knowing full well that he's been your leading scorer for the past, what, three seasons? Four seasons? If uh, well, not last year, because obviously he had some of his issues. I think yeah. Lacazette was our top scorer in all competitions last year. But I don't... First of all, I don't want Coutinho to come to Arsenal. Uh, as we were saying before going live, we've already got one washed-up Brazilian. I don't want another one coming in on big wages. So if, if we were to get rid of Aubameyang, cool, I can get on board with it. I understand it. But don't bring in Coutinho at his expense. However, saying that, I don't think that the club are just going to give up on Aubameyang yet. The problem with Aubameyang is he's in a system right now where Arteta just doesn't create chances. That's a huge issue. Aubameyang's being asked to do things that he doesn't excel at. And we're not getting the ball in the box consistently enough or creating enough clear-cut opportunities for him to at least, at least shine a little bit. If we're creating chances and he's still not scoring, then cool, that's completely on him. But right now, it's a to me, it's a, it's more of a system issue than an Aubameyang issue. Yeah, because I was thinking that he and, like I said, have got such a good relationship. It would surely make sense to have them two as the front two with Saka on one side and someone else on, on the right. And you, you can work around it, but anyway, it is what it is. And, you know, I don't, I don't feel sorry for Arsenal, no disrespect, Wayne, but... It's you know. fine. Well, to be fair, I don't think many fan bases do. <laughs> but we'll we'll still be shameless till the end. Don't worry about it. Well, yeah, at least you got that. At least you got that. There you go. Rod, Thomas Frank, what an achievement he made for, for Brentford, getting them promoted last season. Good opening day win. Um, that is practically the kind of perfect performance, perfect atmosphere. Everything was just, just right for Brentford, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was, it was perfect for him. 
perfect setting on night match, which which I always probably preferred than, than day matches. It says it's, it's a better, it's just a better night, better day, better game, and yeah, it was, the atmosphere looks electric, and you know Arsenal couldn't match it. They just they just outworked them and out muscle them. You see in the second goal, how many times have we seen that with an Arsenal side? You know the keeper, come on, mate, he should be rag. The keeper should be literally pushing him out of the way. I just think of the, the great keepers back in the day, you know, even Seaman, and that, even though he's a nice guy, he won't let that happen to him. Schmeichel will be screaming, pushing him out of the way. If all the top keepers would just not let that happen. You can see he's pinned him. He's got his arm like that. Just Yeah, he's just got, the, the keeper's got to do something and be a lot more stronger. But, you know, how many times we've seen this with, with Arsenal, it's, it's just... Uh, Yes, it must be just poor, just, just downbeat being an Arsenal fan at the minute because just to start the season, you're excited, the season comes back and then you get beat off, you know, Brentford. Even though, you know, Brentford are a good side, it's Brentford and, and this is a great Arsenal. So, yeah, it's not it's not good for him. But, and Michael Atteta at the end didn't look too happy as well. So, I think at Bangyang, you've got to get him out. He seems like a bad egg in the changing room. You know, it doesn't matter how many goals he gets. If he's a bad egg in the changing, you've got to get him out. Um, so, yeah, cash in on him and see what you can bring in. Steve, that first goal from Canos, lovely, lovely volley, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, Norgard's goal, obviously, you know, Rod mentioned it earlier in terms of <laughs> the way that Leno didn't deal with it. Um, it was a fantastic performance overall from Brentford. Yeah, um, it probably goes back further still, but you can definitely say they've had a winning culture for two years outside of the Premier League. Obviously gone to a new stadium. Uh, the fan base has increased. The manager appears to be creative. He's signed some solid players as well, some uh, some defenders. They should they should be okay. There'll be a newness about them. Um, poor, I think there's a football saying to not look too far ahead, but they, rem- they remind me of the freshness of Bournemouth who were knocking on the door in the Championship and then went into the Premier League and caught a few out. Eventually, it caught them up and they actually, you know, they've come back down. That possibly will be their journey. Um, but they seem to be well-backed, well-funded, well-coached. And if the crowd keep going like that, they'll heavily rely on home form. They might pick up enough home, form, uh, enough home points this year to have a survival in the Premier League. And I'm sure that's the only target. They're almost like the fairy tale club, like with Blackpool were back in the day with um, what's his name, Ian Holloway. Uh, Ian Holloway, yeah. But the thing is, you've got Thomas Frank that seems like a really nice yeah, head coach. You know, easy easy to talk to, good with the press. They got Tony up front. They got flair players. You know, they got a lot of energy. Yeah. And with Sorensen, they got a throw, which is probably better, if not the same as Rory Delap. So what, it's almost what, 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 sorry, so what amazed me is what um, hardly any of them. I've got Premier League experience. Literally any of them. I think Callis yeah. was at Liverpool, wasn't he? But yeah, he but he came off on the, on the bench. Or it, wasn't, it wasn't really a proper... You know what I mean? Real established experience. Not one of them. So they're probably going in, you know, not frightened and just going for it and, you know, and carrying it on. And they, they could they cause some real damage. I could see beating them a lot of teams this year. Mm. Especially there. So what, what do you think the difference is between them and Norwich City? Because I wanted to talk about Norwich getting absolutely destroyed by Liverpool, but 
the thing is, it's almost as if Norwich haven't changed their philosophy since the last time they were in the Premier League. They, they were going at it from the opening whistle. But it looks like Brentford have got more about them. It's like they've got more guile. It's like they're better on the ball. They're more aggressive. It's like they've got more energy. Norwich are just like, they're getting there, but they're not at the level that they should be to stay up. No, there's a, there's, there's a, a maverick feel about Brentford. Uh, I think most teams have got an identity these days still that, you know, I don't like the word or philosophy. It gets used a lot. But Brentford clearly have. We saw Newcastle, which you'll mention in a bit. They, You don't know what theirs is. And they're an established Premier League club. You don't know what their identity is. But Brentford have clearly got one. And Norwich have clearly got one. Uh, but I just felt that Brentford, probably because they won, and it, it, let's have it right, Norwich played Liverpool, but they just look like they've got more body strength, more power. When you think of Norwich, you think of Cantwell, you think of Pukki. Uh, it's unfair just to just name two out of 20. But they are lightweight and they are one-paced. They are mega-talented, but they don't impose themselves on you and you aren't in fear of them at all. Whereas Brentford, a little bit of the unknown, but they just seem to be a more physical outfit for me that can cope with the demands of the Premier League if we're going to compare them to, as you just said, Norwich. And touch on with, with, with Brentford, touch on there, no experience. They've probably got no scars. There's a lot of scar people still in Norwich that, you know, uh, probably scared of the, the team they're playing against, where Brentford are just, you know, this is all new for us, let's go mm-hmm. for it. And, you know, unlike that says they were playing a better side than in Liverpool, you know, let's see how Brentford do against Liverpool. But, yeah, yeah but it was it. Definitely, you know, with, with the front two, Tony and the other kids, the French kid, I can't remember. You know, he, he could have got a couple of goals as well. So, but yeah, it's different. They, they just look powerful. Uh, mm. A lot of people can get around the pitch. Tall, yeah. strong. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Wayne, Liverpool destroyed Norwich City 3-0. Uh, the yeah. first 10 minutes were pretty open. Norwich did well. But once Jota gave Liverpool the lead, there's only going to be one-way traffic. Um, yeah. I think Firmino got man of the match. I'm, I, I don't know. I think Mo Salah was absolutely phenomenal in, in that game. Very unselfish. And it's something that you're not used to seeing Mo Salah do, to be fair, on the guy. But let's be real. It's a big win for Liverpool. And I can't believe I saw someone on YouTube the other day having the temerity to say Leicester will be above Liverpool in the top four this season. Oh, really? I have yeah. not seen that. I have not seen that. I will send you the link. I, I think it was more <laughs> clickbaiting someone who felt that they had to say something to get more views or get people going. But Fair enough. when I saw that, I'm thinking, where does where has this even come from? Because Liverpool yeah. had a bad season with injuries last season. I mean, they made top four without Van Dijk and without Alisson for a lot of the time, without Gomez, without... Mm. So, I, I, I don't know. But listen, stupid is stupid does, as Forrest Gump said. I think in terms of Liverpool, the one concern I would have throughout the whole course of the season is it might feel like a little bit stale if they don't necessarily bring in a couple of new bodies. But they've got the quality to, I think, finish in top four easily. In terms of top four for the season, I think that that's already set. United, Chelsea, Liverpool and City, they're they're clear. Leicester, Leicester will be in a fight for fifth, hopefully with ourselves, with the likes of Spurs, maybe Everton as well. But I just think there was... There was just a naivety about Norwich. And as you, as you guys have alluded to, they just felt and looked a little bit lightweight um, against Liverpool. And it's it's not it's not easy facing against going against Liverpool 
first game of the season. But I thought that they actually looked better the first time they came up and played Liverpool at Anfield, but um, yeah, which was a couple of a couple of seasons ago. So no, I, I worry about Norwich for this season. I'm not sure Pukki's got enough goals to to stay to keep them to keep them up in the Premier League. Well, they sold Buendia for a big amount of money, and he would yeah. have been very important in this season. They brought in Zolis from uh, Bark in Greece, good little player, but he would he would need time. Yanulis, their left back, still needs. A lot of game time, especially they the they brought in Rashika as well That's from right, yeah. uh, Werder Bremen, I think it That's was right. in Germany. He That's actually right. had a couple of good, he had a couple of decent, um, couple of decent moments in that mm. game. But yeah, I'm not sure they've got enough creativity or goals throughout the course of the season to stay up. Unfortunately, no, not at all. And see Liverpool uh, rampant, absolutely rampant, and it. You know, if Jota doesn't play, Firmino can come in. They had Fabinho on the bench. Thiago hasn't hasn't played. You know, this this is a team that has got everything uh, you need to to win the league title. You know, they got um, the new Konate uh, that the centre back didn't even play. They played Matip instead. Van Dijk has signed a new contract. Robertson is yet to come back. They got Simica left back. They had a decent game. Um, you know, the the Trent again, another fantastic game. So. This team, you've got to take Liverpool serious. You can't write them off to be title contenders. I'm sorry. I, I, I was asked to make a prediction yesterday, and I said it's too soon. But I said Liverpool will definitely be in the top four. And then I was told you can't, you can't say you can't, it's too early. But then say Liverpool will definitely. I said, no, it's a statement. Liverpool will definitely make top four. It's not a prediction. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, people like Oxlade, Chamberlain and Milner keep stepping up. Um, the depth is incredible. The coach is incredible. Uh, the Anfield Fortress, everybody's missed supporters, but you do genuinely go with it that their supporters are the 12th man. Oh, better, better than Not better than everyone, but better than a lot. Their, their crowd is incredible. I don't think they'll get those uh, defeats at Anfield like they had this year. I think that'll go back to last year. I think it'll back to being a fortress this year. Uh, and they can't be ruled out. Um, you'll have to go some, I think, to get, Six points against Liverpool if you're a, a rival. Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, um, Leicester. Won't go through them all. But you aren't really blessed to take six points off them. And if you do, you're going to be a serious title contender. Um, no, they're, they're, they're in it. Quite simply, they they can beat you home and away. Um, they're, they're proper. And they're not going to lose six games at home this season, are no they? No chance. No chance. No, no. See, this is the thing. They lost six games at home last season, and they still qualify for the Champions League. And some idiot on on Twitter is telling me that Liverpool are going to end up outside the top four. Give me a fucking break, Jesus. Still, what, just, something just, else, Kabaddi or something. I don't know. Just seen it Actually, with Manchester. Good. Seen it with Manchester City. Retaining the title isn't easy, um, but then when somebody else gets that hand on that trophy, the next animal that comes back is is more determined than ever. So that's City's new challenge. It'll be interesting now how, how Liverpool had the stranglehold of Champions League, Super Cup, Premier League, everything going for them. And then City wrestled it back. I think you'll see a more determined group of players and manager this year. And um, no, no, they'll be they'll be serious. Well, Klopp is, Klopp is even more serious. He's got contacts in. He's not wearing his glasses anymore. Yeah, he's so got contacts in. You know what I mean? So he's, he's not fucking about this season, yeah, you know? There you go. And speaking of not fucking about Rod, Man United. Wow. The fuck did that come from? Mind you, it was Leeds. 5-1 victory. Um, hat-trick for Bruno. Four assists from Pogba. Uh, wow. Uh, just wow, really. 
Yeah, it was, it was a good performance. We needed it really, and you, you expect it really with seventy-five thousand sunshine in. We expect a five-one on the opening day. Last time that happened was against Fulham when we won the league. Yeah, uh, not not. I didn't expect a five-one, but you know, once they scored, uh, I still wasn't worried. Just the way the Leeds play and the way United were just getting better and the chances they were getting. And yeah, the finishing was 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 first class, and, and Paul Pogba, everyone really, you know, Lindelof was really good. Um, yeah, it was you know McFred, McTominay and Fred, you know, they why they dovetailed one going and one staying, and they weren't both sitting. So yeah, it was it was it was good all around, and you've got you know missing Cavani, Rashford, Varane, Lingard, so. <laughs> he said Lingard. <laughs> yeah. Well, after his his performances last year. He, he's oh not... come on! He's he's not going. Nah, nah, he's he's a he's a league cup player now. That's that's what he is for United. No, I, I, dis, I disagree. Yeah. Yeah, I disagree. Wait. So, you, what Martial? What about uh, Sancho? Martial, Mar- yeah, Martial, Shan- yeah. But he's he's not a, a wide player, Lingard. We're we playing with number 10. Well, you know, there's a lot of games. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let's talk about Mason Greenwood then. Well, that's down to him, though. If it, you know, he's obviously not going to play week in, week out because Bruno's there. So mm. that's that's his decision to make. That's him and the manager's got to make. Personally, I think he'll end up going because he wants to play week in, week out. So I think, I I think, think he has to go for his career. I think he has to go for his career. Go back to West Ham. Though they could do with him, to be fair. Well, if, if I was result. him, and, and if you're looking at it, I, w- I would, yeah, you'd want to play football. Mm. Uh, Wayne, uh, Mason Greenwood. Uh, wow, what a player that is. I'd say when um, when Rashford made his United debut, he surprised a lot of people. I think he scored twice against Michelin. He scored twice against Arsenal. Yeah, But I think Mason Greenwood has got a lot more uh, from a central striker perspective, I always I've always believed that Rashford is a wide man, but Greenwood can do both, can't he? Wide right, wide left, mm. through and the he's, middle. He's probably the best finisher at the club. I reckon. Mm. He's him if, and Cavani. If, Cavani, if you, I'd say he's probably. I, I don't know. I think I might edge it to Greenwood. I think yeah? I could. I think I could see Cavani missing a few easier chances than I could see Greenwood missing. Okay. But um, no, he's he's such a he's such a brilliant talent, and I hope that this season with Sancho being on one of the wide positions with Rashford probably being on one of the wide positions in big games, you'll probably see Pogba play wide left. Like he did sometimes last year. I hope that this is the year that Greenwood gets to play as a center forward consistently because he's developed well on the right and he's, he's done his thing, but I just think that he's so clinical and so deadly in front of goal. You want him to be as that center forward. And it wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the year, he was United go to number nine, basically. Okay, brilliant. And Steve, listen, this is negative Nelly coming here. Um, United win 5-1, and I've always got something to say about the performance or something to say about the long term. And I look at the back line and I think, okay, with Varane there, we don't know how he's going to fare up, but you're thinking Varane and Maguire, they'll be pretty decent. But what about in front of them? Because Fred and McTominay, for me... There's something about him that just it doesn't it doesn't feel right. I'm not saying they're bad players, but when you look at the system United play, you, you can't shoehorn these players in 
but then hope that Pogba's going to play well and hope that you're going to... I know, obviously, there's going to be a lot of games as well. So what do you think United are lacking in, in, in the middle of or just anywhere on the pitch, in your opinion? Because when I saw Ailing's goal, no one's picking up the right back. I'm thinking, you know, you've got Shaw there, you've got your two central midfielders. They, they gave him the freedom of Old Trafford. Yeah, first of all, um, this Bielsa gets a lot of credit for what he does on the coaching field. I can't make my mind up whether that was a worked move from them. So well done. I know they got hammered, but the throwing was in the left back area. Centre forward came short and then just bent his run and, and the, the, the ball got through to centre midfield and then it's almost like inviting Manchester United to that part of the field, work a little bit of something and then bring Ailing into it, who would step in from right back to right midfield and smash it from 30 yards. I honestly think that could have been a proper training ground move. I think the fixture was perfect for them. Manchester United want to run still. Uh, City, you saw how ponderous they were. They want to build up. They want to have all this heavy possession. Manchester United have a master squad of players that all love running. Even Maguire's got his, you know, his body shape uh, into top elite order now, and and he's up and back. He's bringing the line up. I can't really answer your question still in terms of what I think they need because I think they're cooked. Uh, you put Cavani in that team, they've got a recognised centre-forward as opposed to a prospect, uh, which Wayne mentioned before, Greenwood's brilliant. McTominay looks like he's going from young man to man. Uh, Fred um, keeps getting picked and, and obviously they've got to form some form of, of base behind Bruno Fernandes. It was the perfect fixture for them because I think Manchester United want to run and Solskjaer's message will be, so do Leeds United, so you're actually going to have to run harder and faster than these to get your own way. They've done it two seasons running. I think we'll learn more about Man United in the next four to six weeks when the opposition have got more control of their own shape and possibly more possession. But... I was not envious because, you know, I, I get my own way often as a Manchester City supporter watching them. But when I saw Manchester City's lack of legs and I look at Manchester United's legs, I know they're both stacked with talent. I thought that was the ideal way to win a home game at Old Trafford at weekend. They ran their legs off. I don't know what the data was. And I actually think they can win football matches loads of different ways with the squad, the substitutes bench, the manager learning on the job. He defies critics when he gets thick. He always gets up off the canvas. They've got some serious leg still. I don't know what they need. They look well to me. Who deserves a credit for that? Is that Mick Clegg and Michael Clegg that came in a couple of seasons ago? Well, it would appear that the injuries are next next to nothing. Um, recruitment uh, and development, they're, they're the right age. But like I say, you know, Matic doesn't get in the team for Manchester United, but Ferdinandinho is City's captain. So, you know, there's there's like a, an equivalent in terms of can't really get around anymore. One matter can't get a game for Manchester United because he's too slow, but everybody loves him. But Manchester United have chosen to get, you know, uh, people off the seats. That's the Manchester United way. Rodgers, watched, you've watched them yourself for years. I think they're sneaking back towards an identity, which is frightening in terms of, uh, of legs. I'm not even talking about the, the, the football ability, but their legs were frightening more than cities more than Liverpool's and more than Chelsea's. I don't know if it's going to get them to top spot, but it's going to be an enthralling watch. Wonderful. And Rod, before we quickly talk about Leeds, Bruno Fernandes, hat-trick, Paul Pogba, four assists. I don't know how many more times we're going to see that this season. But when those two are in that form, 
I don't think there are many better in that position than them in the Premier League. Well, there clearly isn't as a pair. No, they're not because you know it's, it's the talent of both of them and, and the assists and, and the goals, especially from Fernandez, is 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 frightening. So yeah, but like that's they say you got to have that base and, and Fred and McTominay were, were looked really good uh, on Saturday, really really good, and uh, and even like I said, touched on Lindelof as well. He he, he played really well, I and mean, that's. It only bodes well. This is what I'm saying. If another right back comes in, it, it, it just breeds healthy competition. You know, the, the, the hardest games you have are, are in your, your own training matches. That's what probably Ollie is looking for. And yeah, he's, 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 he's obviously got a plan. You know, we do, we do sometimes criticise him, but, you know, he has changed Manchester United in the last three years massively, massively from Fellaini, Matic, Lukaku to just full out speed, get around the pitch, you know, yeah, going back to the identity of the Man United way, and it's, it's, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. It's only the first game of the season, but it felt like a Manchester United team of, of old on Saturday. Absolutely. And Wayne, um, we asked this question last season about Bielsa when Leeds were going through a bit of a sticky period. And we said, should he change what he's doing? Because they could, they could score loads of goals, but they can also concede loads of goals. And then they went on a three or four game streak where they didn't concede anything and they're winning 1-0 or 2-0. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to ask you, should um, Bielsa change his ways? But is there anything that you saw in that Leeds team thinking, well, they're, they're missing out? I know Phillips wasn't there. He was unavailable. He wasn't match fit. But was there anything that you looked at me like they're lacking in a certain area? Uh, well, they seem to have gone with a different shape against United this year. They started off with a back three. Um, and that was a little bit different to the way that they set up last year in the Premier League. I think for me, the big concern for Leeds is probably chance creation. If Rafinha probably has a, a bad game, uh, I would say Rafinha and Bamford are they're two standout players and then you've got someone like Phillips who keeps things ticking but he's not going to get involved with sort of goals and assists too regularly but if Rafinha doesn't have a great game where he's dribbling at defenders and creating chances or Bamford's a little bit quiet I don't know if they need like a a pure number 10 or or someone else I know they signed Jack Harrison permanently from Man City but I'm not too sure if he's that guy on that left-hand side to regularly create chances even though he's, he, he's a really good player um, a, a little bit of cuteness in terms of if there's a tight game or if there's something that you just need to to create out of nothing. I'm not sure they've got the the depth in that sort of quality department. Steve, who's going to tell Bielsa to change his ways, huh? Who's got the, nope. the balls? <laughs> only an only an owner or forty thousand singing supporters um, if it goes wrong. But um, they're not going to be at that point because they they're going to thrill. Um, they're going to disappoint uh, at times, but uh, for the Premier League, they're a great advert because you, 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 for the same reason I've just said about Manchester United, they're a good age. They want to run. They will run you all over the pitch. Um, and I, like you know, again, I've got to give it again to Manchester United. There won't be many teams who outrun Leeds, but United have done it in two fixtures and hammered them. So it's the way to beat them. 
uh, as well as having good players. But Leeds will continue to excite, impress, disappoint, and will end up being about uh, 10th or 11th again. So uh, I, can't, I can't see him changing, especially signing a new contract. Can you imagine the conversation between him and the translator? When the translator says to him, Marcelo, maybe we should change our system. <laughs> I don't think uh, Bamford will get as many next this year as well. I think you know a lot of teams will be will be wary of him this mm. this year. So I don't think he'll get as many, mm. which is which which is obviously a blow for him. Where they're else going to get goals? But yeah, I still think they'll finish mid table comfortably. Yeah, change my ways. Do you know oh, who he, I he's am? Not, he's not going to change his ways. He signs a year contract. They say change his ways. Hey, all right, see you in a bit. Cabron, do you know who I am? I'm a football Still. dios. This is a guy that lives above a news agent. You ain't changing him. <laughs> in Harrogate. Harrogate is like Harrogate is like Bournemouth. It's the first place for old people. <laughs> These people, they write books about me. Guardiola says I'm a football god. <laughs> You're just a translator. The only reason I got this job is because I'm fucking your mother. <laughs> anyway. Bet um, base, but uh, bin sales have gone up though. Oh, yes. In Leeds. <laughs> upside down. <laughs> yeah, plant pots, aren't they? They're plant yeah. pots and they turn them upside down. They sit on Fishing them. Yeah. seats, uh, garden seats, but they're all yeah. over Leeds then. I you know what see, I see there before the the match holding a cup of tea. It was a United my United Cup. <laughs> was <it>? cup. Yeah, <laughs> and during the game he had a, I think he had like a wrap around around it. But he was holding. I got to find the picture. I'll show you. Still, I want to know how he gets that brew so hot. I've I've tried for twenty years. And it's all <laughs> wrong when I'm in it's a secret ingredient. <laughs> it's from Fidel Castro's balls. Oh, <laughs> uh, think they have them. Uh... Silver things with a at Old Trafford stairs. Oh no, no, they don't. They don't. No, 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 they don't. It looks. It's like a silver boiler. Little tap. Speaking speaking of South Americans, yeah, we've got a guy from Brazil, Rafael Suarez. Hello, my friends. Here in Brazil, we think that Europeans don't care about the Club World Cup. There are rumours that teams play against their will. Is it true? Well, no, I I don't think it's true. I think when Man United won won the World Club Championship, as it was called back then. We were proud to say champions, world champions twice, once more than England, right? That's what we were singing. And when Liverpool won it, they were they were proud to win it. So I don't think it's it's a European story. I think the only thing is, because the route to the final, you have to play against a team from, I don't know, uh, Saudi Arabia and then another yeah. team. And then well, that the competition final. is only important to the team who's in it. No one else cares about it unless you're in it. I'm not sure I can give my opinion on this one. Yeah, you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, I think the South Americans value it more because while, you know, there's more of a snobbery in Europe because we've got the Champions League and that's like the biggest club tournament. So, you know, there's no way we can find another tournament that is up there with it. Um, whereas the South Americans, they've got the Libertadores, obviously, um, but or the Copa Sudamericana, as they call it, I think. So that's their thing. But with us, we've got like a more snobbish mentality. I don't know. I don't know. I think a lot of it might come down to scheduling as well. Like yeah, for us, it's a, it's, it's, yeah. it feels like an inconvenience because it's in a yeah. random time of the year. So yeah, I remember that time when it was in like uh, like January? Was it when we pulled out the FA Cup in 2000? Was it 2000? 
and then went and played that tournament in, I think it was Brazil, Rio. Yeah, it was in Rio, and uh, they played like three games. That's when, uh, yeah, that's when Edmundo destroyed Edmundo, us. Edmundo, that was it, yeah. The animal. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Right, uh, which game shall we talk about next? Let's go quickly round through some of the games. Uh, West Ham absolutely destroyed Newcastle 4-2, Wayne. Uh, it's a good start from Newcastle, but, you know, West Ham are a completely different animal under um, David Moyes, aren't they? Especially in this second tenure of his and Suchek, Antonio, et cetera, et cetera. They, they showed no mercy on Newcastle. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that game. That was probably, for the neutral, one of the best games of the weekend because it was back and forth. There was a lot of action. It was really entertaining. And I think, as Steve said about Man United, West Ham just have like this physicality about them where they're set up really well for Premier League football. Um, I think you'll see that quite a lot from them in the early parts of the year. My worry about West Ham this year is obviously the Europa League. They don't have the deepest squad. So whether they can keep it consistent, we saw in the past teams that Wolves have struggled when it comes to that Thursday, Sunday schedule if they're not used to it and they they don't get the sort of Europa League scheduling scheduling right and rotation right I'm, I think they might fade off a little bit towards the end but I like West Ham I like what Moyes is doing and I hope that they have a good season Lovely uh, Rod Leicester beat Wolves 1-0 uh, winner from none other than Jamie Vardy he celebrated doing a, a werewolf for a wolf noise the cheeky yep. so and so I can't remember what it cost me but I think it's like 7 million but you're nice yeah okay blah 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 but um, the fullback Nelson Pereira was it Nelson Pereira 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 wasn't it why they call him Nelson Pereira Pereira the right back did fantastically on that right hand side to get the ball in the box um, but to be fair Lesser were a little bit lucky because Adama had the chance beforehand and he put it wide so are we looking at a, a Leicester side which are going to be a little bit fragile defensively? Um, well, they've just, they've just lost a, a key player, um, which, uh, who, who, got, who got him? Who got him in the team? Is it you? Who? The last Fofana? player. Fofana? Fofana, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah it was a shame when I've seen that. So, yeah. Ah, um, they're, they're obviously going to miss him, Johnny Evans. So, and they still won 1-0, so... Yeah, you just got to get the players back. You know, it's difficult. They're difficult, them ones that come across uh, like that with Jamie Vardy. So, you know, he, he's sharp straight away, from straight up the bat, first game of the season. So that, that's a good sign for Leicester. But, yeah, they just keep rolling on. He's a good coach, Brendan Rodgers, and, and they have got a good, solid team. I don't think they'll, they'll manage to get in the Champions League this year because, you know, uh, United, Chelsea, Liverpool, City, all look really, really strong. So they'll do well to get in the top four. But it's a good result for them. Steve, Villa and their million-pound signings after Grealish left, Danny Ings and Leon Bailey, etc., etc., lost 3-2 to newly promoted Watford. Now, Watford don't look anything like the side that was in the Premier League last summer. I think only Craig Cathcart, Tom Cleverley and maybe Troy Deeney are the only players. Sam, sorry, the four players I can really think of that were still there. It's a completely new team. They've got a Spanish head coach that did remarkably well to get them promoted. Um, fantastic result for them. But after, especially being through new up, but again, conceding two goals near the end, it's got to be a little bit concerned, but good result and performance overall, right? Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant crowd. Again, like everybody else, the home crowds were amazing. 
Uh, I heard you and Dee talk about it on the Fantasy League show about Dennis, the centre-forward. I didn't know much about him, but he obviously looked dangerous. But uh, I think in Saar, they've got a top six player of the future. I think somebody plunges. I think somebody takes him. Um, everybody was talking about what he did to target a Villa at weekend. And I think he, he caught Aston Villa cold. And uh, you mentioned Leon Bailey. We know about Danny Ings. We know about Bundia, but clearly... Uh, Aston Villa have had one clear way. I know Grealish got injured last year, but they've had one clear way of playing for a long time, which is try from a good shape. Uh, everybody contribute by passing the ball, but get the ball to Jack Grealish as quick as possible. So um, that wasn't that their only way of playing recently, but it was their main way. So it's a change of identity for Aston Villa, change of personnel. John Terry's left. Interesting, he doesn't get the same headlines, but Rich uh, O'Kelly left the assistant manager the night before the season, which was random. Uh, so he's two staff members down. He's his star player down. And I don't think uh, Aston Villa, not in the same class as Manchester City, but Aston Villa didn't look cooked. Manchester City didn't look cooked, but Manchester United did and Watford did as the opposite comparison. I didn't know that about Rich O'Kelly. I've worked with him before. He's a real infectious kind of coaching. He's a good coach and he's a big, big miss for him because he's, he's been there for a bit with with the manager. Yeah. So, yeah, it'd be a big miss then. Obviously, Terry. So, yeah, that's, yeah. He's, a, he's a good character, Richard Kelly. Yeah, he's too... Um... Two, two big staff, but it was 24 hours before the season, Rod, so obviously can't speculate, but something random's on there. May have been dropped down to the development squad uh, to coach them and they may, may, may have spewed it quite early, something like that. But uh, um, they're certainly short, short on the coaching staff and they're certainly not ready on the field, although they will be pleased that they climbed themselves back into the game close from what looked like a hammering and they'll obviously hope for better better times in the next games. This kind of reminds me a little bit of the f- when they came up to the Premier League and they spent like over 100 million and nearly got relegated. I know Danny Ings is there and he's going to score them goals. I'm not saying that they're going to have a similar season, but I think the way that they conceded goals at the weekend has to be a massive concern because they committed so many men forward and were hit on the counter-attack. And if they play against teams that are set up in that way, they'll get ripped to bits. Mm. Well, they left target one-on-one mm. and they clearly underestimated Saar. Uh, and again, I know we've covered it. Um, I think by this time next season, it'll be top six Premier League. Okay. Did you think Target watch match today? Um, did he get, did he get battered or pro- probably probably not? It probably they highlighted they highlighted him. It looked like he was what running in treacle. Yeah, yeah, I see <laughs> see that. Uh, well, he's got it all on now uh, because there's a great pun coming here. But obviously, he's now going to be targeted now in the next... <laughs> it was too easy, too easy. But uh, he's going to be targeted now because he has shown that 1v1, uh, you can run him, uh, you can with him without the ball. Um, so he's got to up his game. Um, he's had on the back of a good season or Aston Villa are going to have to protect him. And let's not forget, Target's had uh, Grealish in front of him for the last two or three years. So that's different for him. But uh, he's certainly got... To, well, he got rinsed, didn't he? I give credit mm. to the stats are that that side you did play really yeah. yeah yeah Wayne no Lukaku or Kante or Ziek or Chilwell or Havertz and Chelsea absolutely obliterated Patrick Vieira's Crystal Palace yeah we're going to talk about Vieira's Palace in just a moment but you know Chelsea 
serious, very, very serious this season. And um, that was a performance that you'd expect from the Champions League winners. They were clinical, ruthless, and they could have scored more. Mm, I think, for, as of right now, unless Man City managed to bag Kane or bag a similar quality centre-forward from somewhere else, I've, I've got Chelsea as the favourites to win the Premier League this year, I think. I just wow, think... Okay. They're riding off that wave of Champions League success. They're riding off the back of winning the Super Cup. And I just think that Tuchel has them set up perfectly to to go well and, and go far during the league this year. They've got big players, like you said, to come back. Lukaku, I know he had a, a lot of stick from a lot of United fans and didn't necessarily didn't necessarily do what what was maybe advertised, but he's he's come he's come back from Italy and I think he's two times the player that he was at least. He, he's going to come back and, and dominate defenders. Chelsea, yeah, they're, they're looking strong. They're looking really, really strong. I'm worried for, the, worried for the game on Sunday already. It can't be that bad, surely, man. Uh, well, the only <laughs> thing that we've got in our favour is that obviously that's our, our first home game, but Arsenal fans aren't the loudest at the best of times. So mm. I'm not sure we're going we're gonna to make, make the difference. So fingers crossed. Okay, fair enough. Um, wow, Steve, Crystal Palace. Well, I don't know where to where to start with this one. Um, we were talking about them back in the last season, how they had so many players available on free transfers that they'll get rid of a lot of players. They have to clear a lot of deadwood, which they did. But only one of their new signings started at the weekend. Uh, Gwehi, I think his name is. Gwehi, I can't even pronounce his yeah, name. He, they, signed, they signed him from, from Chelsea. Yeah. Um, Mitch was a left back. Schlup, left, left wing. Riedervelt. Central midfield, RU was... This Vieira team, he's called for new signings. He needs more signings. And I, I, I agree with him. He, Rome wasn't built in a day because it's a complete overhaul. But we've seen in the past how managers have come to Premier League teams, regardless of their reputation, and they've lasted four games, two months, six months. Now, OK, Chelsea, first game... I've got history for that as well. They do? Frank De Boer. They've come from a manager who was there for a couple of seasons who galvanized, kept them up. I would say galvanized. He kept them up, made some shrewd signings as well. Um, and granted, Palace still have a few injuries. That being said, I, I fear for Patrick Vieira. I really do. Because he's come to, to the Premier League with, I wouldn't say a big reputation. As a player, yes. But people were saying before when he was in France as a coach, uh, in MLS, saying, he should be coming to the Premier League. He should be the next Arsenal manager. He should be this. He should be. And now he's at Crystal Palace. And as I said before, starting from scratch. But with a result like that, first game of the season, I can understand it's Chelsea. But if these kind of results and performances continue, he's going to be on the chopping block sooner rather than later, isn't he? Absolutely. I don't give him any chance at all. Uh, Manchester City's under 23s, uh, went over to USA. Sacked at Nice, uh, a football legend. Let's let's have it right. Uh, and everything great. We're talking about his footballing career, and we're talking about his punditry, which was pretty good through the summer. Um, and he seems Elva nice fella, despite the the real competitive streak, the, you know, the nasty streak he may possess. He seems Elva nice fella. Um, but I've seen the the recruitment. We've already talked today about identity. It wasn't overly pretty. The thing that made Crystal Palace exciting often was the crowd and Wilfred Zaha. But you felt the rest of the team were playing. Danny Murphy talked about it 
all the time. Roy Hodgson, a defensive coach, well-drilled, same sessions all the time. Everybody knows what they're doing. The distances are superb. Everyone's close to each other. Hard to beat. Try and get it to a bit of X factor in Zaha. It's been more than enough to stay in the Premier League, but people got bored of him and got bored of that. Crystal Palace, you feel now, quite right, are going to try and change the philosophy, identity, open it all up, and they're going to try and win some football matches with some attracting, uh, attractive football with a younger coach, a World Cup winner, football legend. I see it all. I've just got no faith in their project that I think that now they try and win football matches as opposed to not losing them. It may be more exciting, but uh, they may win the odd game because the game's wide open. They may win it 3-0, but I think they'll lose that defensive structure they've had with Hodgson. I think they'll lose loads of football matches and I think they'll be relegated. Sure, mate. We look at their fixtures. They've got Brentford at home next, which is kind of going into the unknown here. Then they have Watford in the AFL Cup. After that, it's West Ham away, Tottenham uh, away. Sorry, no, sorry. West Ham away, Spurs at home on the 11th of September. Then Liverpool away, Brighton at home, Leicester at home, and then Arsenal away. I mean, <laughs> this, could, this could get messy very, very soon. Very Still, soon. I like the fact that they found a role at the first team level for Sean Derry who's had two spells as a player. He's a cracking mm. bloke. He was a real tough player, real competitive. You get the feeling he'll give it a bit of steel, perhaps a bit of defensive organisation. He's given a job to a guy that passed him on his badges with the Welsh FA, uh, who I don't think has managed or coached, certainly not in the Premier does League. Does Vieira know any of them? Well, uh, he won't know Sean Derry. He'll have played against him, but that will be a Crystal Palace appointment, I'm sure. Right, so I think Palace he's are taken... appointing player, uh, staff that Vieira doesn't know. Well, it's he definitely... Already... He definitely took the guy from the Welsh FA because mm. he's the one who passed him on his on his coaching courses because right. I think that was the route that he went down. He I think he's taken a skills coach from Manchester City's academy who he took with him to America and France. I don't know if he's got football responsibility, but uh, um, I'm not sure uh, what his title is as such. Like I say, I like the Sean Derry one. Then he then he's appointed the guy who passed him on the badges. Well, it's his job, it's his time, it's his choice. You, you feel he can basically choose who he wants. But uh, whilst liking the Sean Derry one, I'm, I'm, I'm just not convinced that they can be structured enough to, to win games in the Premier League. I'm, I'm, it can only be a feeling that I've got, but I'm saying it as I see it. I think with, I think with Palace as well, you, they've gone for, like we said, this kind of new philosophy or this new change from Hodgson. But that doesn't tend to work in the Premier League, dating back to when Charlton got rid of like Alan Kirbishley and stuff like that. You try to go bigger and better than yeah. finishing your regular 14th and your regular 15th. Yeah. And you end up getting relegated when stuff like that happens. So, yeah, I, I'd be concerned as well. It was right. for Debo, Debo, Debo. Didn't he replace Allardyce? Or was it Pulis? Yeah. Might have been Allardyce, yeah. So, Allardyce, yeah. yeah. So they've gone for it again, haven't they? They've got. But, but there's a lot of players going out and a lot of players coming in. It's always difficult, isn't it? Yeah. And Hodgson was was very defensively, wasn't he? And Zaha was already already stropping on on Saturday, so that could be a yeah. concern as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm not having him at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if you look at him, mate. If you look at him, still, Brentford looked good, so you'd, you'd fancy them to stay up. And then you know Watford had a great start. Mm. And who was the other one? Norwich. Oh, the, uh, Norwich, Norwich that came Norwich, up, yeah. Norwich. Norwich, mm, Norwich the teams have come up. Yeah. Yeah. 
So there's right. two slots. There's two slots for me there. So could, Palace could be one of them, but you'd expect him if they're in trouble, they're going to make a change. Who did he bring in? Allardyce. Jesus. Well, you mentioned two slots available, and I think one of the slots is reserved for this team, Southampton Rod. They went to Rafferton. Yeah, I see Raffolution, Rafferton. They lost free. They lost three one. Uh, Calvert Lewin scores, so he only needs another nineteen more. To yeah. <laughs> well, look, Southampton look toothless without Danny Ings. Complete Vestergaard might be leaving. Uh, I don't. I don't know what they're doing. In all I, I think Vestergaard's gone. Still, I think he's gone, gone to Leicester. It's official now, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. So where do where do they go now, Rod? Uh, because we saw last season how. You know, there was, in fact, no, it was the year before when they lost, was it 8 0 to Leicester? Was it 8 0? They lost yeah, 8 0 to Leicester. We beat 9 0 last year. Okay. Yeah, and lost 9 to United. But they bounced nine back twice. after that. Yeah, yeah, 9 twice. Yeah, yeah right. I think listening to the manager uh, just before the season, they, they, they knew the players were going out and, and they knew they'd have to bring some in. So they'd have to bring some in. It's just there in like a bargain basement. Of, of players, so they try to bring players in that are not established, and you, that can never really doesn't always work out. So, yeah, they're going to be up against it, but they still have good players. But you know, the hardest thing is sticking in the net, and, and you've just got rid of your, your best asset in doing that. So, yeah, it might be a struggle for him, but you know, if, if I was a betting man, I'd pretty I'd say that they'd stay up because he, he's a good coach that Rafa has sometimes. So, yeah. It's going to be a struggle for him, though. I think the yeah. big thing for Southampton as well is probably keeping hold of Ward Prowse because mm. he's had bids from Villa, yeah. I think it is. So <laughs> keeping hold of him is going to yeah, be important. Definitely. He didn't play at weekend, did he? No, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did play, right? Because yeah. he was a doubt, wasn't he? No, he did play. I was going to say because it would have been weird if he didn't, you know, speculating that he might go because him and Holberg of Spurs were the ones who played every minute of every Premiership game last year. And then all of a sudden, I thought he was about to miss the first game, but you corrected me well. That's fine. No, no, I, I do remember him playing because he takes the corners and he takes yeah. everything. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair. So, is, is there anything to say about Everton? Because, obviously, they've made some questionable signings with Julian Gray and uh, uh, Andros Townsend. Julian Gray, you're going back the years there. Is Julian Gray? No, sorry, it's uh, Damari Gray. Yeah, but it's costing like a million pounds. From no, it's like a no-brainer, that, isn't it? Well, from Leverkusen. Yeah, it was like a million quid to pay for it. Was he? Well, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He didn't get many games there, but hey. It might be yeah, Julian Gray. For a million quid, it's, 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 you know, it's, he's already got an assist. So. Okay, yeah, get Southampton. Yeah. We're going to get relegated. Yeah, okay. well, well, arguably relegated. Oh, it's, it's a prediction. It's too early to make predictions. Do you, want, do you want an early prediction? <laughs> no, not yet. No. Not yet. I, I, Wait till the transfer window ends and then we'll have the discussion again. We'll have discussion again. All right. Uh, one more game to talk about. Burnley, uh, FC Kabaddi, losing 2-1 to to Brighton. Uh, Wayne, I'm not the sure. the game you was at, still? I was, I was there, yeah. Oh, yeah. You were there? He was yeah. there commentating. Burnley? Oh, was. Yeah. Okay. You've just, you've just proven to me that you don't look at the videos that I send you, Stella. I'll stop sending them <laughs> you. No, because I get them mixed up with the ones that Rod send and there's all these sex noises that happen. Yeah, so, I was a Burnley. I was a Burnley, <laughs> mate. I was, I was there. So, go on, what was the game like? What was it like? 
well, I can obviously think I can nutshell this one because I was at it. Uh, they have to play with high intensity. Uh, they did so for 60 minutes. Again, the crowd were brilliant. They scored after five uh, with, with a weak goal from Brighton's point of view. And it was one of the most aloof, lethargic performances I've seen from a Premier League team in Brighton for 60 minutes where Burnley could have won two or three games still. Honestly, they've hit the post, they've hit the bar, they've had the odd chance and they just had these running legs. But different to United, Burnley completely ran out of steam on 60 minutes. The game dropped its intensity. And at that moment, you get the feeling that Sean Dyche needed to make changes and all he could put on was Ashley Barnes. Now, he does add experience, but he doesn't add high intensity. And you get the feeling that Graham Potter smelt the same challenge in the match. And he looked at his bench and he had three, four, five substitutes that could come on and speed the game up. So to finish Stell, Burnley had the first 60 minutes and only got one goal for it. Brighton had the last half hour for themselves and took the game away from Burnley. It wasn't smash and grab. They were brilliant for the last 30 minutes. And everything I thought they were in the first hour, which was crap, they were brilliant in the last half hour to have a great away day. So I fear for Burnley because they've not got any squad depth and there's no way those starters can run that hard for 90 minutes. They've also got no technical director. They've got no academy manager. They've got no head of recruitment. They've got no head of media. So I'm not convinced anything is great there at the moment, especially at this important time in recruitment in the window. Did you just make, was it, was it three vacant roles? Three vacant I read, roles? I read four. Four. So each so, one of us could do that role. So Burnley, Burnley, by the sounds of it, Burnley are more likely to get relegated than Southampton. Yeah, but you love, you love, you love Mr. Dyche. Still, if you play like He's not a miracle worker, though. Like Stez said there, for for 90 minutes, 38 games, it's more than 38 games, you play cup games and they haven't got a massive squad. So it's, it's impossible. And it's a fridge down there and it's after September it's freezing it's minging Rod they, they they may have enough every now and again to win it in that first hour by catching teams cold getting that goal then getting catching teams goal. cold there we go that's not going to happen every, every <laughs> yeah. week most games are going to be tight aren't they and- yeah and, and you know if it's going to be uh, more than ever these days a squad game the game was basically won from the lack of Burnley's bench and the progression from Brighton's bench, honestly, that it really was in the two subs that come on score. Uh, well, no, Mope got one. Yeah, yeah, the, oh, the, yeah. The, 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 they were identical goals, but it was just the injection. Lalana came on and with some craft, but they just put some speed into the game. And it was well done from Potter because I was not having that first hour, I thought it was aloof. But he smelt the opposition, had, had packed up for the running, and he put his speed players on. Um, and won, won, won quite, even though it's 2 1 narrow scoreline, won quite comfortably by the final whistle. Oh, is that why you're going for the Harry Potter, Gary Potter beer today? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I'm not working at the moment, I can't afford the shaving foam, mate. So, <laughs> well, Steve, Steve, you know, you're gonna love this stat, you're gonna fall off your chair, right? Okay. Based on their XG for oh, last no. season. Based on their XG for last season, their, their, sorry, their XG value. That's oh, the let one. Me, let XG me get value. They should have won four two. Let me get. No, 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 no. Based based on Brighton's XG value last season, their forty one points should have been sixty seven. Yeah. Whoa. 
Whoa. Wayne, are you an XG kind of guy? I'm not, no. I, Come on, I, I already, I already get annoyed enough at Arsenal not scoring real goals. I'm not going to get annoyed <laughs> at the fact that we haven't scored enough expected goals as well. It's just not happening. Nice. Brilliant. Well, that's it for this episode, lads. Um, is there anything that we need to discuss before we wrap it up? Because there's a strange rumour about Ronaldo joining Paris Saint-Germain. I, I don't know where these people get these rumours from, man. I, I, don't, I don't know. It's just... Uh, no? Be no amazing. Be amazing if you did. I want. I personally want to see it. I would where, are they, where, I, where would he play? Centre-forward. Centre-forward? Yeah, but then where's Neymar going to play? Where's... I think, I think they said that part of it was... Mbappe wanting to go to Real Madrid and then PSG would bring in Ronaldo with whatever oh, okay. money they... Yeah, but Real Madrid and Barcelona are aren't they? Yeah. Struggling. The, the difference with Real Madrid that, that they've got royalty that can bail them out, can't they? They've done it numerous times. Barcelona screwed. Yeah, the 1.15 billion in debt. Can you believe it? How, how, how does that even happen? Just mismanagement, mate. Apparently, I think um, Laporte came out with a um, with a what's it called with a statement today saying that they have got a South American agent, sorry, an agent in South America, sorry, a scout in South America, and they're paying him eight million a year. <laughs> I think as part of that same statement, he said that their wage bill was a hundred and three percent of their. Their, 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 yeah, their revenue. So yeah. they're, they're screwed. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with Barcelona. The wage bill was 103% of their total income, yeah. Of their total income, yeah. Oh so basically every every penny of their income goes onto, onto the fucking onto wage bill plus 3%. Yeah, because they were saying that if, if Messi's contract was extended, the wage bill would have been 110% of the revenue. And getting rid of him is knocked it down to like 95%. But I, I don't know. It's it's bizarre, man. It's fucking. It's because Barcelona has a negative net worth of four hundred fifty five, four hundred fifty one million euros. Can you imagine? You're worth minus four hundred fifty one. Someone's been million. getting paid. Someone's been getting paid there. Well, it's, it's it's baffling. Like where all this money has gone? Because didn't they sell Neymar, who's like the most expensive player in the world, for like two hundred million or something? Oh yeah, they yeah, spunked 140 on fucking uh, Coutinho. Yeah, but, <laughs> and then they, then they spend over there. They have a lot of fingers, don't they? And a lot of fingers over there. They they spent what? How much on Griezmann as well? Mm. Their you know, money like mismanagement. Bags a week. Ridiculous, man. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. But I think they asked for like an 80 million euro loan to sort out the debt, but. There's a rumour that I heard that La Liga offered to help Barcelona give them a loan to, to reduce the wage bill. But Barcelona refused because they think that the Super League is going to still happen. And by borrowing that money from La Liga, it's almost as if they got them by the balls. So they can't do anything about Super League. That's what I've heard anyway. That Super League will never will no, happen. It won't. It won't, it won't happen. Not with, not with British teams anyway. No. No. Not with British teams, anyway. It wouldn't happen unless they want to play it behind closed doors because it just won't happen. Actually, one more thing, Rod. Morris Watkins passed away. 
Um, oh no, yeah, seen that, yeah. And he, I put out, yeah. I put out a tweet earlier saying that you know he's he's swept a lot of things under the carpet. At United, I tell you what, he's got a lot of stories to take to the grave. Yeah, yeah, he was a solicitor for a long, long time and looked after the players for good and bad. So yeah, he'd have some stories to tell. Well, if you're still alive. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, apparently they're writing his book. They're writing a book for him. Well, an autobiography, but obviously that's any any problem you've seen in the nineties or two thousands, like Eric Cantona, Morris Watkins next to him, Rio Ferdinand, Morris Watkins next to him. Yeah. Any problems any people had, he was next to him all at all times. And I think he's he's the reason why Rio didn't get an extended ban. I think he's the reason why Ferdinand only got eight or nine months. Because if United had a different lawyer, Rio would have been fucked. He'd yeah. have been truly fucked. But yeah. Watkins, he he knew the law. He knew the law. Yeah. Good bit, good, good mates with Fergie as well, he was. Yep. There you go. There you go. Right, gentlemen, thank you very much for uh, jumping on the podcast. Thank Oops. you for everyone tuning in. Wayne, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, absolute pleasure. Here's your opportunity to plug your shit. <laughs> well, as I said, thank you for having me. Um, as Del mentioned at the beginning, I've got a YouTube channel and I'm also streaming live over on Twitch. So search for Wayne's World 20 underscore. Thank you very much. And Rod, do you have an agreement with Nutella? Is that why you were showing yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get one. Oh, you got an agent they could sort you out. <laughs> no, never, never need an agent. Um, <laughs> uh, Rod James Giggs. At your Twitter, yeah, your Twitter, okay. And Steve, you're going to be making any more radio appearances in the next few days? Yeah, uh, I've got a good one Saturday. I'm at Liverpool uh, oh, versus wow. Burnley again, and then Newcastle versus Burnley on Wednesday. So I'm fully Burnley up at the moment. Oh, Newcastle so at Newcastle next Wednesday, yeah. Oh man, it's still warm, and it's so he's, go, he's going to Anfield and then Newcastle, and then it's, good, it's a good one to get out of the way. That Newcastle away in August. Is that the cop game? Is that the cop game? Or is yeah, that that's the, the cop game. Yeah. Well, yeah, but Liverpool Burnley's half twelve Saturday. So uh, I've never done any media work at Anfield, so I'm obviously looking forward to sampling. You know, what we, we all new, have the new stand there now as well. We've been the new stand. No, I've not been for ages. No, but will, will, will you be? Will you be? You be in the new stand, then, won't you? I don't know. Honestly, don't know. Pretty sure you'd be in the new stand, then, if you're commenting, yeah. Right. They've got a new stand there now, Liverpool, aren't they? Okay, right. Yeah. Not been, but no, no. you've seen it being absolutely seen on the telly. I don't think they'll be chucking piss at you. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Cups of piss that like we used to get. Fucking hell, <laughs> man. Not pre. Anyway, that's it for another edition of Shoot the Defense. Thank you, everyone, for tuning. If you like this, hit that subscribe button, like, share, blah, 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 blah. We've done, we've done very well in the iTunes charts again, ladies and gentlemen. First in Greece, fourth in the Ukraine, fifth in Japan, top. 10 in various countries, top 20 in very 25th in India. I mean, how big India is for fuck's sake. That's crazy. So, yeah, thank well you done, everyone for listening. Thank you everyone well for listening. Well done, you, thank mate. You for tuning in. There you go. Thank well you done, guys you, as well. Great contribution from you guys as ever. So, that's it for another episode. So, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, take care. We'll be back soon. Ta da.